Welcome to the Vital Dawn podcast for Friday, February 26. U.S. futures are attempting to stabilize, so S&P futures are up about eight points. That's about 20 basis points. They are off the overnight lows, so the futures got down nearly to about 3,800. They're now at 3,836, so off the lows, um, trying to hold stable. NASDAQ futures, same price action this morning, um, off the lows. They're up about 20 points. That's about 15 basis points. So NASDAQ and S&P futures both trading approximately in line with one another after the carnage yesterday. Eurozone equities are trading off about 50 to 40 basis points, rallying from the lows. Um, you know, Remember, a lot of the U.S. losses came Thursday afternoon after Europe has closed, so Europe is catching up to some extent, but holding in relatively well. You are seeing selling pressure in energy-basic resources. Remember, those two groups have been very strong performers. You are seeing outperformance in some of the safer havens like healthcare and utilities in Europe. Travel link names are also trading very well in Europe. Um, so you did see some aggressive profit taking yesterday in the travel stocks. Um, they are bouncing. You had earnings from IAG, which is the British Airways parent, as well as Amadeus, which is a travel booking technology company. Um, you know, both of the numbers were ugly as far as the 2020 and Q4 reports, but both firms made encouraging remarks about um, bookings trends for the summer months, which is what we've heard from other traveling companies as well. Um, Asia was a sea of red, huge losses across the board. Obviously, Asian markets were just catching up to what the U.S. did on Thursday. Um, treasuries have a very mild bid this morning so far, very mild, very tentative, I would say. Um, you have five-year yields uh, down about five basis points. Ten-year yields are down about four basis points. Um, so before jumping into kind of the specific news out for this morning, just I think taking a step back, um, you know, I think what you are seeing in markets is just a normalization of treasury yields. So I think you know this is in response to good news, which is what makes this current environment um, a little trickier to diagnose. Um, you know, I think you are seeing the consensus expectation embrace this concept of the pandemic coming to an end in the coming months, especially in the U.S. That's not to say the COVID will be erased from the planet at all, but you are going to go from a pandemic to more of an endemic type of situation. Um, you are going to see, obviously, um, the J&J vaccine get approved today from the FDA. You're going to see a surge in inoculations over the coming two months. Um, and like I said, the pandemic largely will come to an end, become more manageable starting in the summer months and continuing thereafter. Um, you know, you are seeing, I think, the consensus expectation really do really start to embrace this kind of bulge in growth that you're going to see, um, as well as increases in inflation. So all of that's being reflected in treasuries. You know, I think treasuries sometimes um, in the last week or so are the the yield increase um you know, is being criticized as being somewhat abnormal when all they're really doing is normalizing something that equities have already done. Unfortunately, the yield rise is undercutting multiples. And this has been a problem that a lot of people have been identifying now for the last several months, that this was the biggest risk probably facing stocks. Nothing to do with fundamentals. Fundamentals are great. Growth is great. Earnings are great. Um, you know, like I said, COVID is is kind of, you can see the, um, the end of COVID is in sight. Um, you know, but unfortunately, treasuries are normalizing, and that's going to be undercutting um, some of the huge PE expansion that you saw during the pandemic. If you look at the pandemic over the last 12 months, it was a obviously human tragedy, but it was a pretty um, favorable period for large companies that were able to aggressively reconfigure and manage during the crisis. Um, you had huge stimulus that bolstered the consumer. You had huge monetary stimulus that crushed yields and expanded multiples. So all in all, it was a it was an a favorable time for large companies, and so as the pandemic comes to an end, um, you know you're going to create these valuation head headwinds for stocks, and I think that's really what's occurring right now. Nothing bad, 
Um, you know, no one is lowering earnings estimates. If anything, earnings estimates still have um, you still have an upward bias right now. But you are going to see the 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 valuation on those earnings. That's what's really shifting right now. Um, so all that being said, for today specifically this morning, you know, you are hearing various different officials come out overnight and try to make soothing remarks. So Europe, in particular, has been aggressive and rhetorically intervening in bond markets, warning yields not to rise much further. Um, talking about how there could be a policy response to the extent it continues, um, you know, much, much more. You had uh, Kuroto the B- at the BOJ kind of make similar remarks, talking about how stable yields are important to help the economy recover. The RBA in Australia conducted a surprise bond purchase this morning. Um, you know, I don't think, though, that central bankers are really expressing much alarm, though. You still have yields that are very low um, in an absolute basis, especially away from the US. And again, I think central bankers appreciate that this is this is a normalization of bond markets as they reflect the improved macro fundamentals. So I think for right now, you haven't seen nearly the type of equity market response that would really, I think, prompt um, you know, an aggressive response on the um, from central bankers, although you are obviously they're starting to get a little bit more anxious and nervous. The Fed, though, has has certainly been very relaxed. So we've heard from a lot of Fed officials this week, including two days of Powell testimony. Um, you know, you are not seeing them really express a lot of anxiety about what's happening. They all um, are attributing the yield rise to, again, imp- a, a, a reflection of improved macro fundamentals, not some type of a disorderly, disruptive um, you know, slump in treasury prices. Um, on the inflation front, you know, I, I think there is a broad consensus that you are going to see inflation rise. The question becomes, is this just a temporary ephemeral increase related more to base effects and a reopening of the economy along with some supply chain pressures, or is this a structural shift in inflation? Um, I don't think it's going to be the latter. The Fed obviously is adamant that it will not be the latter. Um, but again, I think there will be obviously some um, uncertainty as we kind of go through the coming months where you are going to see um, the inflation readings firm a little bit. Um, so that's kind of everything as far as on the monetary front. You did see a, you know, a few international officials come out and make remarks. You have a G20 finance minister central bankers meeting today. This has been on the calendar before the turmoil, so it's not in response to what's occurred in markets. These are probably, it's, you're, you know, you're probably going to see some um, calming rhetoric coming out of it, but all very perfunctory. I don't think you're going to see any type of um, uh, any type of policy shift or any type of real specific commentary right now. I think you know central bankers are watching uh, watching yields very closely, but not at the point where um, you know you're going to start to see precise specific policy actions. I do though think, as I've been saying, that you're going to start to hear some, from some Fed officials um, about again shifting the duration focus of quantitative easing to the extent. The yield price action continues on the present trajectory. Remember, this is something that was talked a lot about last year in Q4. Powell was asked about it at the December FOMC press conference, was very dismissive of it. Does not sound like he was very eager to um, pursue that policy track. But, um, you know, that obviously is going to be, that is a very powerful tool, um, simply threatening it to the extent yields do start to become, um, you know, do do start to get rise further from present levels. Um, you did see the Senate parliamentarian um, ruled the minimum wage ineligible for reconciliation in the Senate. The market largely had assumed that there would not be a minimum wage hike either because of the parliamentarian or because there would just be political opposition to it. So um, 
I don't think it's terribly shocking. It probably does make it a little bit easier to kind of pass this bill, just given that the minimum wage was a very controversial piece of it. So the House is going to pass its version of the bill today, that $1.9 trillion price tag. So essentially everything that Biden asked for, they are going to leave the minimum wage in the House version of the bill. So then it goes to the Senate. Senate will obviously provide, um, will we'll edit that bill. They'll make revisions to it. I think you're probably looking at a final price tag of around a trillion and a half, one point to 1.7 obviously with the minimum wage stripped out of it, um, and then possibly being passed into law by the middle of March, which is kind of the Democrats' hope before some of the COVID unemployment benefits start to expire on March 14th. Um, you know, I do think that the present environment isn't anything nearly like what you saw in the 90s, where the, bond, the term bond vigilantes became popular as bond yields rose, and that prompted Congress to act aggressively to kind of curtail spending. You aren't going to really see that occur right now, but I do think that what's happening in bond markets is certainly killing the chance of a large infrastructure bill after this current stimulus bill is passed into law. Um, you know, so the second is one point five to one point seven trillion dollar bill gets passed into law. Biden's going to launch his kind of recovery, the Build Back Better plan that could be worth as much as three trillion. Um, I think you know the odds of that passing were all, always very low, and I think they're you know they're they're collapsing with what's happening in yield. So I do think that bond markets will impose some discipline on Congress going forward with regards to incremental fiscal stimulus. Um, so running a little short on time here, there was a lot of micro news out last night, a lot of earnings from kind of the big um, prominent quote unquote momentum stocks, Airbnb, Autodesk, Salesforce.com, DoorDash, um, VMware, Workday, uh, Zscale, and a bunch of others. Um, you know, I think from some of the more prominent ones, you certainly had some disappointments, DoorDash in particular, um, on some of the guidance, Workday as well. The guidance was a little underwhelming. You know, I think the bar for a lot of these companies was very high in general. So even the ones that were decent, like Salesforce.com wasn't bad. Um, they're going to struggle to kind of rally today. Um, nothing too dramatic out of Europe this morning as far as earnings. And then as quickly for the calendar today, the PCE obviously is going to be very important. Um, you know, this is the, the Fed's preferred inflation measure. Uh, it's going to be watched very closely as well as the inflation expectation component of the Michigan sentiment survey. Um, so those are going to be the two big highlights. The, um, the PCE is at 830. The Michigan is at 10 a.m. And then just quickly, the House is going to pass a stimulus bill. That's widely expected. That shouldn't be a big headline. Johnson Johnson, widely expected to get emergency use authorization perhaps tonight. And then any type of readout from the G20 minute, uh, G20 finance minister's meeting, um, that will be watched closely as well. And that no one majors reporting this morning. Uh, Berkshire does come out tomorrow morning with Buffett's annual letter. So that is everything for this morning. Thank you for listening.